Welcome to Frameline. I'm Barbara Gosofsky here as usual with my favorite critic, Courtney Small. Hello, how are you today? Great, how are you? Oh, not too bad. Good. So today we are going to celebrate the Blood in the Snow Festival. It's a local festival. And for the 2022 edition, it is both in person and online. It's online, actually on on TV, on your TV, or on streaming, courtesy of Super Channel. If you want to go to the theater, it is at the Isabel Bader Theater, which is a new venue for them. It's a great venue. And so the festival has already started, but we're going to talk about some of the films uh, that have played and you should look out for because they will continue playing other places. Um, And the festival continues until the 26th. So. Lots of stuff. And Courtney is going to start us off with a great yeah. one, yeah? Yeah, so the, the, this is one that um, I actually caught at Fantasia, but I, I'm glad to see it playing this festival because I think Toronto audiences will get a kick out of it. And it's a film called Relax, I'm From the Future by director Luke Higginson. And the film stars um, Reese Darby, who a lot of people might remember from Flight of the Concord. He's been in a, a bunch of films and and shows he's a really good talented actor and he plays a man from the future that has come back to the past and he's kind of trapped in the past and you don't you're not quite sure if he's here to help save the future because something happens in the future that's not quite clear it's a bit of a a mystery as the the film unfolds Um, but while he's here he befriends a local woman um, named Holly, played by Gabrielle Graham. And Holly's kind of into like the, the punk rock scene, whatnot. She basically thinks that he's a homeless dude at first, um, but he tries to convince her that he's from the future and they form a partnership of sorts. Um, and I, I don't want to give too much away. Otherwise to say that you really should see this film. It's a, it's a blast. It's a great science fiction comedy. There's, it's really interesting in how it handles time travel because often a lot of times when you have films that relate around time travel, there's a lot of tropes that happen. It often gets caught up in the whole science of it. Whereas in this case, they don't really worry too much about the, the science. They give you just enough to, for you to understand how he gets back in time and whether or not he may have come on his own or if someone else has come back in time as well. But it just really has a blast with, the premise of someone knowing what's going to happen in a world where, you know, essentially he's a fish out of water and he's trying to navigate our time, knowing specifically what's, what's going to happen in the future. It's a lot of fun. Um, the script is, is, is pretty quite smart. And the, the performances by the, the cast, especially the two leads is, is great. So I highly recommend that one. If you're, you're looking to kick it off with something a little humorous, um, and also getting into that sci-fi element. And sticking with the theme of sci-fi, there's another one that I found that was actually quite interesting. It's a film called Control, and it's by director James Mark. And it's a film that reminded me a lot of, of Cube. I don't know if you remember Cube back from the... Oh, well, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that, that kind of... You from know, the where, 90s, right? Canadian yeah, from late 90s. 90s yeah, uh, great Canadian horror sci-fi film where this one, similar set, a lot of it takes place in one room. And I think that's part of what reminded me of that particular film. And 
the premise of this one is you have a woman, um, Eileen, played by Sarah Mitch, um, who wakes up in this room and she doesn't know why she's in this room, but she's tasked with moving a pencil that's on the table. And she's told she has a certain amount of time. And every time she does it, she passes out because something's been implanted in her head. As the film unfolds, you find out that she might have powers that will allow her to move the pencil without actually physically touching it. But she's still not quite sure of why she may or may not have these powers or why she's in this room and who has put her in this room. Um, And that is all I can say about this film without spoiling it. What a cliffhanger. (laughs) Yes. But all I'll say, it is quite interesting. There's a point where someone she knows or she may know, depending on how this thing unfolds, ends up in the room with her. And that is all I can say. Who put her in the room? What is the room? All that you just kind of have to watch and, and figure out. But I, it was a quite oh, fascinating. That's, also, that's an old boy scenario as well. Yes. Yes. It's, it's one of those where it's intriguing because of the premise and because you want to find out a little bit more. And even as there's certain repetitive elements in it, it still feels fresh because there's always something that slightly changes every time that she's asked to, to move the pencil. Um, it's it's a slower paced film for a sci-fi it's not as like you know grabby by the throat as something like old boy as you reference but it's or even cube where cube kind of lulls you into a, a comfort and then shocks you with with the horror but I, I i was quite taken by this one it's it's a slow burn but it it works the ending i don't know if it quite sticks the landing but i was willing to go with it and i think um, james marks has created something that's really innovative and it, it gets he gets a lot out of his unique premise so um that's control definitely one that you should see now you saw one that i didn't see um inhuman do you want to talk about that oh yes inhuman talk about like slow development but totally worth totally mm-hmm. worth the journey with the director the director is jason brennan uh this is a film from quebec i won't butcher the french <laughs> the French title of the film, but yeah, it's called The Inhuman. And it's about this brilliant neurosurgeon named Matthew. And he's got a perfect life, but it's falling apart. And it's falling apart because he's messing it up. He's taking drugs. He's fooling around on his perfect, lovely wife. And all these factors, you know, come into play. And it's like, it looks like a midlife crisis. And things come to a head when his dad dies. He's been avoiding going to see his parents and his dad dies and he has to go back to the family home, homestead. Um, And which means in this case, uh, he sort of hides the fact there's only glimpses of it, but he's indigenous and he has to go back to the territory where his family was and where he's going and he's been avoiding that so it's like there's this double whammy avoiding your your family but also avoiding the past that you came from a certain you know a certain something um that you're avoiding from the past and when he goes there he has to face a lot of things head on and that 
takes on this spiritual supernatural element, you know, this force that takes over when he does have to face, you know, but it all has a very interesting meaning, which I'm not, I don't want to ruin it, but it has this really really sort of, I don't want to use the word metaphoric because that turns people off, but it is, it's sort of this meaning about, you know, how you, how living your life and how treating other people is really important, not just for the whole world, but for yourself as well. You know, mm-hmm. so it, it's like it's really powerful and uh, it's not your typical horror film, but it is, you know, it's just got yeah. this other this other. And it's like it's great to see something that try is trying to be more original like that and incorporating spirituality like that. Oh, that sounds very good. So, yeah, in inhu- the inhuman is how it translates from the French. Okay, so since you're talking about um, the importance of how we we treat others, do you want to talk about Follow Her? Oh, yeah, we both saw that, right? Yes. <clears throat> so Follow Her. Wow, I was really enamored with Follow Her. Uh, it's such a great film. This is by director Sylvia Kaminer, and it follows a struggling actress who's really spending a lot of her time live streaming. And she'll live stream anything. She live streams her, her life, but she's also involved in, like, she'll do anything for money. So, but she live streams it all, and a lot of it is like bondage and like kink, kink stuff. And but she's she's got this technology attached to her live streams where it it um, blocks out the faces of anybody participating. So it's sort of. She thinks it's sort of safe and she doesn't really think about it. And she's so obsessed with life on social media. Uh, She can't really handle real life. And you see, like, talk about, you know, the inhuman where you had this brilliant neurosurgeon whose life was falling apart because he was screwing it up. Well, she's like, she's not a neurosurgeon, but she's screwing all her relationships up. And it's because she's so absorbed in in live streaming and how she looks and like, you know, it's all that stuff that comes with social media and and that navel gazing and that f- that drive and desire to get more followers and, and stuff like that. And one day something goes wrong with the technology. And like it's really interesting to start, but when that screws up. And you see what choices she makes. And then basically this is a film about consequences. You know, I remember you wisely once said that a lot of what happens to people, you know, in terms of like when social media reacts and blocks them and. uh, No, the cancel culture. That's it. A lot of you wisely said it like when a lot of cancel culture is consequences. Well, She's not being canceled. Well, I don't know. Maybe she is. But yeah, consequences. So uh, I've stolen your phrase and now I'm going to hand it over to you for your brilliant insights. No, no, that's that's it's uh, a good summary of the thing. And I, I will say that, you know, I've I've told you many times and I'm happy to say it on the air. I don't think cancel culture is a thing, especially in the way that we most most people assume it is. And this film, I think, does a really 
interesting job of of playing with that and looking at it more from the aspect of consequences and one of the things that um, this particular young woman does is as you said she's taking a lot of odd jobs for for money and uh, you should say their name is just played by danny parker she's really really good in, in this film and she one of the jobs she pretends to be like a a writer at one point and gets offered this job to co-write a script with this man by the name of Tom Brady, who's played by Luke Cook. And it's a very interesting dynamic. And I think this is one of the things what I, what I really loved about this film is this film takes a lot of risk. So it goes from this woman kind of shaming these unnamed men who in some ways are trying to manipulate the system and claiming to be something that they're not. So yes, they deserve a bit of comeuppance, but do they deserve the social media ridicule that she's offering? But then as she's writing this script with, with Tom Brady, the film gets really meta. Um, oh, and, yes, yes, and normally absolutely. I'm, I'm not a big fan of films that get meta, especially in, in when it comes to horror, because I feel like, you know, Scream did it very well, but since Scream, everyone is trying to do it. But this film juggles it so well to the point where it's very self-referential but then it's also chilling and disturbing as a straight horror film it's also really fascinating as a social commentary on social media and as you said consequences and all that and it's all rolled into this neatly packaged film that every time you think it's going to go off the rails it doesn't (laughs) they find a way to pull it pull it right back and take you in a different direction and you're still with it like i i absolutely love this film and i think it's one i'll probably come back to because it's again it walks such a fine line but it pulls everything together in such a really fascinating way i don't know if i agree with all of the statements that the characters do but at the same time it's one of those films where you look at jess and uh, and you think okay she's done some terrible things but then when you think of t- with Tom Brady and his character and that thing, you're like, uh, they're doing some terrible things as well. Like, it, you know, it, it talks a lot about online culture and I want to say in many ways, the the horridness on many levels that you get. And even those who think that they're righteous are still bad in their own own way. Uh, so, yeah, it's a really fascinating film. And I was I was quite taken with it. And I, and I thought the the ending was perfect. Absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) I really love your analysis of it. It like you've hit the nail on the head um, in so many things. And I think you really pointed out how well this director, Sylvia Kaminer, how well she handled the subject matter, you know, Mm -hmm. she like pulling it back in and stuff. So she had such amazing control, which is so important for a director and the whole meta thing. You know, as someone who's like not a horror aficionado, I loved it. I loved it in this context, especially because, as you said, the, the film just like starts going off and starts doing these things. And you're sitting there going, I don't know about this. I don't know. Right. And then that's the thing is like there's so many things we go, I don't know. And then there's so many things we go, aha, yes. And so it has this had, film had such an impact on me. Like, I'm still thinking about it. Yeah, yeah, follow her. Yeah, uh, but I want to switch gears slightly and move off the the social media 
aspect, but still another film about um, consequences and I guess you could say in many ways legacy. And it's a film called The Devil Comes at Night and it's directed by Scott Lever. Um, and it's about a former boxer who's um, gone, I think I think he's in Northern Ontario, but to his father's, his strange father's old home to try and find um, some inheritance money that apparently is in this house. And while he's there in this um, community, apparently something happens where he gets into a fight with some locals. So the film starts as he's being brought to his father's house and he's already kind of wounded from whatever altercation he had with, with some of the, the locals. And over the course of the film, he meets a few of his father's neighbors. And for some strange reason, they really want him to come out of the house and come over to, to their place, which should normally set off alarm bells. And he's very much polite, kind of declines, but they're really, really persistent. And then you start to realize that there might be a specific reason why the neighbors want him to come over, but also not just the neighbors. There's a lot of people from that town who really want to get this guy out of the house. Um, and I don't want to spoil anything. I will just say that it's a very interesting premise, but I don't think it completely works. Um, at, at one point, there's another person that this boxer finds in the house who claims to have known his father. And it's essentially them against the the crazies in in town um i think what didn't work for me is there are times where he does have to leave the house um whether it is to draw people away or to to combat them uh, but it's such a weird framing like there's a lot of times where things happen and you go well if so many people are want him out of the house when he's out of the house why wouldn't all of them go after him at the same time, right? Whereas he might be battling one or two people. And then later on, you see some other people and you go, oh, well, if they were there, why didn't they do something, right? Like there's just the 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 movement of the action doesn't feel as fluid or as logical as you would expect. Even in, entire, even in a terrifying situation, you would expect a certain type of logic to be followed. But kind of, characters kind of are in the house, leave the house. You find out the importance of the house, why some people can enter the house, why some people can't. But it it doesn't quite work, um, but it leads up to an ending and like the latter half of the film where it actually starts to pick up. And I go, oh, you've, you've got something here. <laughs> there's 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 a jewel in this film, but it just it, it takes too long to, to dig and get it. Um, so there's there's moments where I think it would be it could have been a lot better than it, it was. Um, but I don't know for me, the. The, the way how the action is plotted out didn't quite fit with what I think the director was going for in this particular film. That's too bad. That's actually like, yeah, really too mm -hmm. bad. Sounds like a lot of promise in there. Yes. Yeah. There's a, there's definitely a lot of promise. And, and another one that I think is also a lot of promise. I have a feeling a lot of people are going to like this. I was kind of torn on it because I, I think there's again, some other, some good moments to it. And it's um, Jesse Thomas Cook's film, cult hero and this one is a film about a how do i put this a reality tv star by the name of dale um, damazar played um, great by 
Rye Barrett, who's he's done or he's done a lot of great films, both within the horror genre and other genre. He's a really talented Canadian actor. So he plays this kind of larger than life, almost think like Dog the Bounty Hunter by way of like cheesy Miami sitcom where he his whole stick is that he goes undercover at these various cults and you know busts them takes them down what have you Uh, but in a particular episode things get out of hand and he inadvertently causes like a mass kind of jonestown suicide Um, so it, it ruins his career so five years later now he's kind of called back into action because this realtor um, by the name of Callie, played by Liv Collins, who's also a very kind of high-strung, unique character in her own right. I, you know, Liv Collins does a really good job playing this woman who's very, very structured and to the point where she's controlling everything, including her husband. And her husband is really depressed and just, he doesn't, she doesn't realize how much, how overbearing she is to him and he ends up through recommendation of psychiatrists ending up to this facility that's supposed to be like a retreat to get them spiritual which of course we all know is some type of cult um so you have this washed up tv star and this high strung realtor joining forces to try and save this man from this particular cult uh, it's mixture of kind of campy humor um, a little bit of gore, but it's more like just outlandish action, um, action horror hybrid. It's not nothing too scary. Uh, I think for me, there's a lot of great moments in there. There's a lot of great humors. There's a particular death that comes with a via a realtor for sale sign that is just magnifique. <laughs> um, but I think part of the problem is the tone of the film shifts so much because the cult hero dale is very much an 80s type of character but yet he's making like a modern day reality show because reality tv really didn't pick up till like the 90s whereas this guy's pretty much straight out of the the 80s and his aesthetic his approach and everything so that's kind of jarring and then you also have the stuff with the realtor who's just super high strung and she's also kind of her own animated character so there's times where it works. And then there's other times where it just felt a little too jarring. Um, but I feel like this is the type of film that a lot of people are going to like. I feel like this could be, you know, a cult film in terms of finding that particular audience. So for me, it didn't quite mesh, but there was a lot of moments in it that I really enjoyed. So uh, those want to. Is it one of those films? Do you think like when you're sitting in the theater and everybody's really pumped because it's a festival that. People may have a lot of fun with. Yeah. Yeah. I think this will play. I think it'll play great with a crowd and, you know, definitely the right crowd. You know, those like the Midnight Madness type of crowd that you would get at TIFF. Um, You know, if you can. And I'm sure they'll be able to replicate that at at Blood in the Snow because you have a lot of people who are really into horror camp, what have you. They're going to have a blast with a, a live crowd. It'll probably be a really fun screening. But I don't know if that necessarily makes for like a great movie. Like, you know, yeah, like yeah. A, a Rocky Horror Picture Show, I appreciated more when I saw it with a crowd. Yeah. I personally would not call it a great movie, even though it's a classic, <laughs> right? Like, it's, so it's, it's, it's one of yeah. those type of things. But, uh, you know, it's definitely 
if you're in for something fun, slightly different, and I said the performances are really great, and there's a lot of good moments in it. So that's Cult Hero. Um, I would recommend. Do you want to talk about some of the short films that are playing at the festival? Because we were talking a lot of features, but they also have tons of shorts stream um, streaming via Super Channel, or you can see in the theater. So do you want to talk maybe about uh, Sparks? I think you saw that one. Oh yeah, Spark, uh, Spark, and uh, there's another one I saw. They're part of a program called Mournful Mediums, and it's all about like putting medium length shorts together. I I really appreciate not just the shorts and the way that they're packaged by the team at Blood in the Snow Festival, but also the filmmakers like they've chosen like really great films and the because partly because the filmmakers really understand the short film medium, you know, like, uh, you know, it's a cliche. I've said it before and I'll say it again. Some ideas are short film ideas and there's a way to render that idea in the short film form that can be perfect. And Spark is one of those. Spark has a bit of a supernatural flair to it, but really it's about these two misfits that find each other. There's this elderly gentleman, he's lonely, he's a scientist, uh, but he's in a nursing home. He's stuck in a nursing home and the love of his life passed away. So he's very lonely. And he just like, you know, talk, thinks about her, talks about her, talks to her. And um, he's just obsessed with like some project he's working on that we're not quite sure. It's, it's, it's like mysterious to start. And he's having trouble because he's getting in trouble with the authorities, you know, so to speak, at the home. Because they're like, what are you doing? No, and let me take that away. And no, you shouldn't be like on the dark web and <laughs> looking for like dangerous materials, right? So he's up to something interesting. And there is this sort of other misfit, a young woman who's like cleaning the floors and she befriends him. And in her own misfit way, like she, she, it's like she's one of those characters that has no real power in life or hasn't figured it out yet. But she comes to help him and that that and it's really short so there's not a lot of detail but it's perfectly perfectly done so that like she helps him in the most perfect way possible oh, that and, interesting. yeah i can't say more because it's great what happens you know what he ends up accomplishing because of her so yeah that's spark so yes that sounds great do you want to talk about visceral Oh, yeah, Vicinal. So Vicinal is in the same program. And again, you know, another medium length short film. That's perfect. I, I can't stop using that word, so please forgive me. And it's about this couple who have this great apartment that they finally found in the city. It looks like Toronto. One day, they have this encounter with this eccentric old man who comes to pick up a package that was mistakenly delivered to their address. But he used to live there. So he sort of worms his way in and there's something not right about this guy. And I love the way you can tell right away. It's like, and, and a lot of filmmakers, you know, that we've been talking about, the ones that I've seen, very economical in style. Like they will create a lot of mood and atmosphere just through like basic cinematic elements and especially in Vicinal, 
camera angle, you know, and close-ups. Like this, this, this elderly gentleman is in close-up and his, his um, acting is a little bit, you know, he's a little bit much. And so, you know, right away, like something's up with this guy. And then he starts to talk to them about the apartment and the various features of the apartment. The apartment has this weird little door, which leads to a weird little passageway. And that's it. That's all I'm going to tell you, because the way that the filmmaker twists the story of the elderly gentleman missing his apartment and being, he seems sort of lonely too. And the way that the couple is trying to react to him, but also get him out of there because it's like, we just want to live, you know, please stop coming over and the way it gets twisted and it all revolves around this weird little door. And I tell you, this is, this is not the creepiest it is creepy. It's one of the creepiest things I've seen, but it's like, it's not gory. It's not like classic horror, you know, but this is the stuff that nightmares are made of. This one is like, this one's going to be in my dreams. <laughs> this and all. Uh, that sounds very good. Um, and I guess we can probably close things off with a short film. That I know we both saw at TIFF um, diaspora. Do you want to? Yeah. <laughs> Talk about creepy, but okay. At least unlike, I'm like visceral. This is something like that's good to end on because it gets my mind off that nightmare. <laughs> and um, <laughs> funny enough, this uh, this is called Diaspora, and it's in a program called Dark Visions. <laughs> diaspora. I keep laughing just thinking about it. But Diaspora is about these these um, these people, these neighbors, right? So it's a it's a black community. And uh, so this couple, you know, they're happy. They're happy with their neighbors. Everything's like happy. And so anyway, life is going on and it's all very wonderful until somebody sells their house. And then things start to change. Like that one event, that one action just starts the whole spiral into something. And it like talk about using like beautifully using and economically using the tools the cinematic tools at hand just to like give everyone give you a sense give you a visual sense but also translate it into your mind give you that creepiness without without needing this one is 16 minutes and it's so effective and what happens and it's kind of funny but it's kind of scary (laughs) Yeah, it, it does a wonderful job of like, you know, t- tackling the subject of gentrification in 16 minutes and turning it into a horror film right? and making yeah. you think about gentrification on a completely different level that I think a lot of people don't think about uh, yes. when they when they think about it. Right. And when you throw that ex- extra horror aspect on it, it really makes you think about the people in in the communities that are being gentrified and the effects on them and stuff like that. So, yeah, it's a very smart um, film. And as you said, very economical. And that one's directed by Tyler McKenzie Evans. And yeah, definitely recommend that one as well. Yeah. So that's diaspora. So we've ended on a, an interesting note. Well, yeah, there's, there's plenty to see. Films, like, I mean, yeah. you, can, you know, this is just a, a, a small taste of what you can see at the Blood and Snow Film Festival. So there's going to be tons of films for various tastes 
yeah and there's lots of fun to be had it's uh it's a horror film festival but there's a lot of fun in horror I've, i keep discovering that every year more and more um and you know i'm a i'm better for it so you guys go out there and it's cold and snowy and stuff so Go to the Blood in the Snow Film Festival or tune into Super Channel. There's yep. so many options and so many great films. Yeah, it's a really strong year. So, so that's it for Frameline for this week. For Courtney Small, I'm Barbara Gosowski. Thanks for listening. <laughs>